Okay, so wait, wait, wait. Did now mean you're recording everything starting now? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Hello, test, test, check, check. All right. Yeah. Produce, producer. All right, Produce. here we go. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, boy, what a week. What a year. <laughs> what a lifetime. That sounded good. I like it. It's been a long time coming. Oh, yeah, but it's here now, and that's all that matters, just like the iceberg that hit the Titanic. Took a while, but it's here now. Let's sink <laughs> this mother effer. Let's sink it. Let's. We got a bottom to find. <laughs> Or a wow. bottom not to find. What do you mean not to find? We're going to find the bottom, even though we're we're in the glass bottom boat. Maybe for uh, shallow for, waters. No, shallow mines in deep water. That's our motto. Shallow <laughs> mines. In a world where shallow mines go to deep water. That's the whole point of the glass bottom podcast. Like, let's in. Hey, we're smart guys ish. And uh, we're underachievers. We, uh, you know, we've been told our whole lives we have so much potential, C minus. Yeah. Let's uh, let's investigate the world. Okay, how do we do that? Well, we go to the Scripps Institute. We go to the Woods Hole Institute. We go to the guy that made Titanic, whatever his <laughs> name is. And we go, uh, you know, how do we investigate the ocean? And they tell us all the good information. They teach us. They show us. And then uh, we procrastinate and we wait till the night before the assignment's due. And we go to Fort Lauderdale and find some drunk guy in flip-flops and say, hey, man, we need a deep-sea investigation boat, deep sea, a deep-sea surveillance boat. Not surveillance. What kind of word am I looking for? <laughs> Excursion. Oh, that's fun. That's what Gilligan, <laughs> that's what Gilligan did. We need a deep-sea expedition boat. Oh. And he goes, well, dude, they're all booked like 20 years in advance. Uh... I got a stand-up paddle board with a broken paddle and a glass-bottom boat that sank last year. And we would be like, let's go with the glass-bottom, dude. Yeah, we can see everything. Yeah, forget the paddle board. Yeah, we're, we're way above paddleboard expedition, Everest uh, paddling. We will take the glass-bottom boat that doesn't start and has a major fuel leak. <laughs> and then uh, we show up on the day of uh, exploration. All the scientists show up scratching their heads and their asses, and we go... Look at this, dude. It's the HMS Discoverer. And they hop in and see the broken glass bottom, and they hop out. And me and you, we uh, we go out deep and realize we can't see nothing. We're shallow. <laughs> yeah, we can't see anything. But you know what Wood's hole? And uh, he said hole. Uh, you know what they... <laughs> You know what they can't see? Shards. What's they that? cannot see what's in the surf. You know, the hair ties and the used condoms and the floaties and the suntan lotion bottles and the beer cans we see all that and we can go out deep and hover over the titanic and speculate on what's probably down there yeah. that's our gig dude that's yeah. our gig me and you we're gonna circumnavigate the universe in a glass bottom boat and uh we can see the shallow stuff and we're gonna speculate on a very high level on what's down <laughs> in the deep stuff hey that's listen if we actually get into a boat uh maybe we can be close enough to the surf where we can find my freaking glasses. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe it. You still got the tan line though. Like that might help. If why don't you just go here? Get you a cardboard sign that says. Oh, by the way, tell them what happened, shards. Yeah, so like a like a very intelligent individual that I am, which you are. <laughs> I went into the ocean with my glasses on, not thinking that that would be a, an issue of any sort. Why would it? It's just the ocean. Yeah, it's just the ocean. You know, there's nothing going on in there. You know. And yeah. Lo and behold, I take a wave top set straight to the face, right to the dome. Oh, to the face. And dude, it was so sneaky and so swift with removing my glasses. I didn't even really notice until everything cooled down and calmed down from that wave, and I'm like, oh, I I cannot see anymore. <laughs> so you're saying Mother Nature's a pickpocket. Yeah, dude, a very, uh, very... She distracted you with the kid and the wave, and then she reached around the backside and snagged your 
expensive prescription glasses. Yeah, like a professional, yeah. dude. Oh, like a boss. We used to say back in the old days. Well, you still got the tan line. So what I would do if I were you is I'd go back to that beach with a cardboard sign that says, you know, find my glasses, win, win a prize. And then <laughs> just like uh, Cinderella, they all start bringing glasses to your face and they stick them on. And then, oh, oh look, it matches the tan line. Here's five bucks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know that sucks. I did the same thing. I went fishing with my kids many times at, and I finally had to wear my glasses to tie fishing knots. And I had a very expensive pair of my first pair of prescription glasses that were way more than I ever paid for anything I put on my face besides redacted. And then, uh, <laughs> so I'm tying this stupid ass knot and I looked down to focus on it. And my glasses did mother nature pickpocketed me, dude. I didn't feel anything. <laughs> Normally when glasses fall, you, your nose feels it, your ears feel it. And yeah. you're like, you do the old nerdy you do the old nerdy finger swipe. No, I looked down to tie a knot and mother nature just went whoop right into the river. And they was, they gone. Yeah, dude, she's a sneaky expert. Yeah. I think the constant that should have been in Einstein's gravity equation should have added the value of the item that gravity is <laughs> ripping you off for it. So it should be a gravity instead of like being the square of the distance between two masses should be t times a constant of how much the crap costs that <laughs> gravity is ripping you off for. <laughs> Look what happens to like space shuttles and space stations and billion dollar satellites. There's a constant in there. Like, yeah. uh, physics knows what money's worth. So if I got a $300 pair of glasses or you have a $300 pair of glasses, the gravity constant the gravity equation is going to change and it's going to rip that right off your face and, and oh, yeah. put it where you can't get it. Absolutely. Every that is time. a brilliant thought. My brother-in-law is a real rocket scientist. I'm going to, I'm going to pass that off. <laughs> we might have something. Einstein's general theory of everything. Plus the, uh, dollar, dollar quotient, how much gravity cares about how much you paid for stuff. <laughs> <laughs> how much was that rocket? Plus that, science satellite well it failed so back to earth <laughs> yeah back to earth it comes oh. and in a hurry yeah non-prescription glasses like after that i started buying dollar store which is now the dollar 50 store thank you china <laughs> i started buying after that i learned to buy dollar 50 glasses from dollar store to tie fishing knots when i'm hanging my face over a body of water shards guess how many pairs of dollar store glasses i've lost a zero Correct. Because, yeah, the constant, the constant you multiply the, you know, the radiuses and the mass of the two bodies is zero because dollar store glasses are negligible. But, you know, if I had some Ray-Bans and I was leaning over to, you know, put a shiner on a hook, oh, game dude. over, right, right off your face like suction. Gone an instant. Oh, Mother Nature got that. <laughs> well, you still got the tan line and that's a memory. I guess yeah. memories are priceless. I'll look at it every once in a while and remember that there were glasses that fit my face much more adequately than the ones I'm currently wearing. Well, it's fading just like everything else in life. So you're going to have to get on the stick and pay somebody a ton of money to get back in the glasses game, I guess. Perhaps. You know, I was thinking today that uh, I might use my insurance and maybe just get contacts. Contacts? Dude, you look too intense. If you If you turn around at work and look at me with contacts on... Yeah, like that. Oh, geez. What do you want to know? What do you want to know? <laughs> I, I didn't do it, but I'm. I'll cop to it. What is it? Twenty five years. You've got a pretty intense look, but I think you just. If you get contacts, you're gonna have to change your whole life. Yeah. You're gonna have to. You won't have anything to deflect your intensity, and I think you're just gonna have to roll with your intensity. I don't think you're ready for that. Are you ready to roll with the intense look that you give off with contacts? I don't know. I'm thinking I might. I might want to lean into that that look a little bit you know and for well, context for any of those people who are listening i have alopecia so i have no hair any, anywhere so no eyebrows no, i've seen it, it all it's intense no hair i think the problem with the intensity look. is that i have such a strong brow line that it just it over intensifies the fact that i don't have eyebrows and makes my face just look oh you know what just uh, hit me about this you don't have any pets right you you have no pets no none none currently at least now it's been scientifically. I have a six-year-old daughter, but you know. Ooh, no, that's a monster. <laughs> I had those. I had two of those once, and uh, there's still scars. But you'll get through it. 
Um, there's scientific evidence out there that dogs have evolved to understand humans' facial expressions, to sure. understand what we're feeling. And yeah. that's, you know, it's science like everything else. Like uh, aspartame tastes way better than sugar. That kind of science. That's how solidified <laughs> it is. Dude, have you have you ever been in a, in a place with dogs since this happened and, like, tried to convey your feelings like superiority or fear or happiness and – what the dogs do? If I was a golden retriever looking at you, dude, I, I would—you'd uh, be my god. I'd be like, "Woof, this guy's looking into my dog soul," and I'm trying to do unconditional. I'm trying to do unconditional love, but I feel like he's peering through my pelt into my brain, and things are frying. Yeah. So, what actually happens when you see a dog? Well, I, I've noticed that you know the other thing with the whole science aspect is dogs seem to be a pretty good judge of character. Oh, this um, isn't going to good places, it shards. I feel like when I first interact with a dog, if they don't notice my face, they're judging my character or my aura that I give off. And I usually have a good inter initial interaction. But as soon as they lock into my face and we're like eye to eye and they yeah. see the intensity that I'm not trying oh, to yeah. give off, oh, you know, yeah. all bets are off. They always look at me kind of weird. I always wondered why you weren't a dog person or a fish person or a cat person. And now I understand like all those animals trying to intuit what's on your face into what's going on. Like, is he going to feed me? Is he going to beat me? And <laughs> yeah, they don't I gotta, know. I got to tell you, they, they can't, they got to lick their ass or, or scratch their butt or, you know, they're like, <laughs> Oh my God. Even like the nicest yellow lab would probably be like, I don't know what this guy's thinking. You know, I passed obedience school. I've, I've, I've networked with people. I've smelled other dogs' butts and I look at this guy's face and there's nothing there. Yeah. Yeah. I could wow. have a treat in my hand and they'd be looking at me and I'd be giving them a treat and they wouldn't know whether they're, they're being, uh, disciplined or being rewarded because of the face. You just turned a huge light bulb on. Of course, it's a led light bulb over my head. What if, <laughs> what if dogs, I get that feeling when I think about God. What if dogs look at you and say, this dude gives me no vibes, and I don't know if I'm going to heaven or hell. This is God. <laughs> you might be the G-O-D for the D-O-G. <laughs> wow. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Marty Pelvic from Pelvic Floors. Pelvic Floors has been in business for 69 years. We've been your floor source. We uh, deal with loose floors. We deal with old floors. We deal with loose floors that squeak. Nobody knows floors like Pelvic Floors. We invite you to come to our vast showroom. It's large, and we're trying to keep it that way. But we are not a national chain. Pelvic Floors refuse to expand larger than the customers we service. So if you're in the mood for floors, pelvic floors is where you should go. We work hard to lay wood in your floor, pelvic floors. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what's, that's what goes through my head when I leave work. That's what goes through my head when I'm at work, when I leave work, pelvic floors. You need to Murray. work in marketing. Hello, this is Murray from Pelvic Floors. For 69 years, we've been laying wood in your pelvic, in your floors. We've been laying wood. <laughs> Expanding your floors, improving your floors should not hurt. It should be a comfortable, pleasurable experience. And as Murray, Pelvic, and all my family say, a loose floor is no fun. So come to Pelvic Floors and we'll lay wood on your floor no matter what the size. Pelvic Floors. <laughs> <laughs> pelvic floors pelvic floors and did you look to make sure that wasn't already an establishment oh please if it is it's like the onion come on <laughs> if you google pe pelvic floors the first 80,000 things are going to be about women's pelvic floors p-e-l-v-i-c floors tile <laughs> <laughs> nope dude it's all reproductive dude we're on to something nobody else has captured pelvic floors but me uh, oh look at this one let's talk pelvic floors i'm maury pelvic from pelvic floors <laughs> is your floor loose 
when people walk on your floor, when people are on your, when people interact with your floor, does it squeak? Does it make a lot of noise? Do you see large gaps? That's what pelvic floors can help you. <laughs> Believe me, 69 years, the pelvic family has been in the flooring business. We've never seen a floor too big, never seen a floor too small. The smaller ones are easier, and for us, it's a much better experience. But no matter the size of your floor, pelvic floors can get in there and lay the wood. <laughs> <laughs> hey oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's the kind of stuff I think of. That's Indeed. Funny. That is pretty funny, though. Yep. So you should work in marketing. How are you not? Why aren't you just working in marketing? If, the, if Dude, these types of things are just constantly churning in your head, one of them is need, bound to land somewhere. Yeah. It, if you need to ask me that question, you, I thought you knew me. I'm an underachiever. I'm, uh, you know, I should be in a million places except for where I'm at. So that's why. If I if I got a chance in marketing, I would be, I would be great. You know, there'd be some foul balls, but I'd get some home runs. And if I was in comedy writing, there'd be some foul balls. There'd be some home runs. If I work in any other industry, I'll just muddle the rest of my life and be nobody. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why we're exploring the deep seas in a glass bottom boat. <laughs> Enough said. Yeah. That's why we are exploring the deep seas. In a glass bottom boat. Hey, look down there. What's floating down there? Oh, it's Marty from Pelvic Floors. <laughs> <laughs> All of our floors are discharged into a salty solution so they don't harm sea turtles. Marty from Pelvic Floors. <laughs> So I bought chicken strips today. Have you uh, have you purchased processed chicken lately, Shards? Processed chicken? Of course, processed chicken. What other kinds are there? Like the yellow or the yellow, the pink paste chicken. Yellow. The what? The pink paste chicken. I don't know what that is. Oh, pink paste like, chicken. Yeah, like you know, like what chicken nuggets are made out of, where they just oh, they grind no, no, all no. the chicken to paste. And no, no, pink pink slime. They called it. it is beef. Uh, white slime uh, is what you find in I can't say it anyway <laughs> you got pink slime conflated uh, yeah well I bought chicken strips and back in the day before uh, before COVID and all this it used to be I used to freak out when it was like 839 for two and a half pounds to feed my family of pre-processed delicious chicken strips guess what I paid today for pre-processed delicious country uh, country style chicken strips. $10 a pound. <laughs> what kind of rock has been on your head? It looks like granite, but I'm assuming it's quartz. No, no, no. I paid $14.89 for a two and a half pound bag of deliciously pre processed Tyson chicken strips. Who is not a sponsor, so everything chicken you hear after this is. Strips. And the, the chicken things. strips. Uh. Yeah, it does. Not very well, though. It's always got a batter coating. <laughs> yeah, what's up with that? Big chicken is killing us, man. I mean, I can take gas at five fifty-five a gallon. I can take, you know, I can take all the other increases, but you can't take chicken scripts from eight dollars and change to fourteen dollars almost fifteen i have limits i'm a human shards Oof. i can't believe that you have not been affected by big chicken sticking it to us yeah i don't, I don't really buy processed chicken too much are you saying you process your own chicken that seems like a lot of wasted time what's your time worth if you can't process chicken cheaper than tyson can? <laughs> i don't really eat chicken strips too much now that i think about it <sighs> That's, I'm that's, I'm a chicken titty type of guy where I just you know. You eat the breast. Yeah. Uh, nine out of ten surveys show that if cats eat their owners, that's where they start, and I suppose that's where the best meat is. But being a poor humble surf like I am, I've given up. I'm a rib meat man now. I realize. What was that? Is that a gong? 
Dude, I think it's the aliens. Oh, crap. I just watched Beavis and Butthead do the universe. The aliens were the smartest version of them. It was like, this is Beavis. This is Butthead from the outer space. I am the smartest version of you. <laughs> Maybe that's what that was. The smartest version of us two idiots. Hello, this is Mike, the smartest version of you. Hang on, I've got a booger. I've got a scratch in the back of my nose. Oh, there it is. Uh, anyway, I was thinking about chicken strips, and I came to your planet to share some technology. <laughs> If you stick your finger down your throat, you can vomit up the chicken strips and not die from high cholesterol and heart disease. We are going back. <laughs> Holy cow. We were just visited by anorexic aliens. <laughs> Don't you wonder how, like, all these Roswell pictures now, like, pictures of aliens, none of them are fat. Oh, I know. They're always skinny. Yeah. Shouldn't there be one of them that's fat? Shouldn't there be some of them that are fat? Yeah, at least. You know, of course. The, the well-fed ones. Out of them. a group of 10 aliens, two of them are going to be fat. Let's say yeah, two yeah. of them. Where's the picture of a fat alien? Where's the alien autopsy where they have to, like, the doctor's like, oh, Jesus, look at this layer of fat. This guy was not eating right. I feel it's always like, oh, their body <laughs> are perfect specimens. That's how you know it's a, it's a you know, it's a fraud. Surely there's a fat alien. Yeah. And, and where would they send a fat alien, Shards? Well, well, maybe it's like, uh, you know, like ancient uh, Asian culture where only the rich and powerful are fat. Oh, and so they're oh, the ones, man. you know, making all of the calls and sending the, you know, the oh. skinny aliens out to other places. You have a point, but I, I, that is a valid point And I cannot <laughs> completely defend that point. But OK, so you send the skinny aliens out to crap holes like Earth. Oh, yeah. You send these skinny aliens out to crap holes like Earth, and you don't think they're going to be, like, parking at, like, county workers and park their UFO under a tree and eat whatever it is the hell they eat till they get fat? I mean, perhaps. Maybe they just don't ever – now, you now you're on to something because if those aliens spent any amount of time here on Earth eating the – the BS that we serve up. No, they eat us, but we <laughs> eat the BS, so they should still get fat. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, they, they would, if they spent any amount of time here, they would put on weight. That's what I'm saying. All the aliens I've seen, you know, valid or not footage of, they're all the same. They're all skinny. They have huge brains. Like, they've been eating all this uh, omega 3s and tuna, whatever space tuna looks like or smells like. Uh, I want to see a fat alien. I want to see, like, you know, you know, an alien named uh, Donnie. Like, oh, there's Mwikwak and Zoop Zoop and Donnie. <laughs> Donnie. Oh, bleep that. Donnie, it's, you know, we stop in interstellar rest areas and we're getting uh, soil and green like the rest, like normal aliens. And this yeah. guy is getting deep fried, uh, uh, deep fried Jupiter nuggets. And we're like, Donnie, come on, dude. Come on. <laughs> That's how you know alien autopsies or conspiracy one of them's got to be fat at least one of them you know yeah no doubt no well, doubt that's why i believe in aliens but i don't believe in the government's control and or possession of aliens because i've never seen a fat alien and also <laughs> let's talk about all the videos the government's released about you know they don't call them ufos what do they call them shards you know what they call them uh, what do they call them now? Because not UFOs yeah, anymore. Yeah, it's some over-technical thing, like, you know, erythromycin or mama. <laughs> uh, anyway, the government has a really slick name, and I'm sure our listeners will hit us up with what that name is. Uh, it's not unidentified. It's, uh, okay, well, anyway, Uncle Sugar calls them something special now that's less controversial. But, okay, you take a 1,000 cars. Out of those thousand cars, if we lined them all up shards and turned the keys at the same time, how many of those cars do you think would start? Come on, there's Pontiacs in there. There's probably a few Saturns. <laughs> there's probably a few Saturns. You know there's a Dodge in there somewhere. How many, a thousand cars, how many of them start? Half of them. That's a little liberal, but I'll say, let's, let's just say for argument, 10% don't start because they're pieces of crap. Do you think UFOs come from one factory? No. There's a Dodge UFO and there's a 
you know, there's a Tesla USO, UFO and there's a BMW UFO. So it's funny how all the UFOs we have uh, documented, they seem to all work perfectly, you know, except for the Roswell one, which you've already figured out was uh, was fake. It was a balloon or something. But <laughs> so what are we going to see an F-18 pilot going I'm locked on to something moving very fast? It's oh, it's smoking now. Uh <laughs> This is uh, Phantom 654. The UFO is now smoking. It's got its turn signals on all four of them. And, uh, oh, boy. Oh, yeah. yeah. A lot of smoke. He's pulled over and stopped. He's hovering. Uh, oh, oh, ooh. There is an alien getting out who's pregnant and smoking, and she is pissed off. <laughs> oh, here he comes. There's an alien getting out with a backwards trucker cap. I'm locked on uh, headquarters. Can I fire? No, you may not fire. Well, he is out. He's popped the hood of the UFO. He is banging. Oh, he's kicking the hood. Oh, my God. This thing is smoking <laughs> real bad. Still hovering, though. Still hovering. Uh, he Oh, he's back inside. He's turning the key. He is saying, bleep, zorp, merc, frickle, snapper. Oh, he's back outside <laughs> kicking the tires. The wife has now thrown the cigarette into the ditch. Oh, she has smacked him in the head and told him, you knew this was going to happen, or something like that in alien talk. I don't speak alien, but I assume that's what he said. <laughs> oh, he's he's replaced the fuse. Oh, the lights are off. He, they're back in. She's yelling at him, and they're off. Oh, they've evaporated into outer space. Uh, headquarters, did you catch all that? I have it on my uh, gun camera. Over. That's never happened. It's always perfectly functioning UFOs that are, wow, look at this amazing machine that never messes up. Look at this amazing machine that never messes up. Another conspiracy shards we've dug. Look at us. We have a glass bottom boat, damn it, but we're going deep. Yeah, well, they probably don't have a Henry Ford who meticulously engineers things to fail on purpose. No, of course it wasn't Henry Ford. It was Meep Zorp Wag. That's who did that. <laughs> he, he perfected the UFO assembly line. You know, before, a poor alien could not afford a UFO. They were all getting around by uh, simple gravitational manipulation. Boy, <laughs> can you imagine going to town and like you're a gravitational manipulator and then this dude floats by on a UFO with a cigarette hanging out of his mouth going, look out, I've got a UFO and you have a, a machine that's going to poop on the, the muddy ground. Look out, I'll run you over and then I'll buy off the judges and the legislatures and the magistrate and no one will care that you died. Look out, meep, meep. <laughs> or what do you think a UFO horn sounds like? Let's say you're about to run over some grimy, gravity-manipulating alien that's really not worth his weight in wagwee. Like, so what would you do? Like, you honk, your, you go to smash the horn. You're not going to honk it, but you're going to smash that thing, right? What does yeah. it sound like, Shards? I, I think, uh, ironically, it would be something really unimpressive. That's a good answer. Okay, like what? Okay, so let me set the scene. Here's the scene. You're driving down the streets of Nipnorp City. You are a highfalutin entrepreneur in a UFO, brand new technology, very few people can afford. And there's this slimy, lazy, louse-ridden gravity manipulator crossing in front of you. And you know you have the right of way. So get ready. What do you do? Go and go. I'm hitting the horn. It sounded like this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Shards found the universal constant. The universal constant of <laughs> failure is wah, wah, wah. That is great. I don't have a comeback for that. I think you completely knocked the wind out of my sails. Because to us, that means like, you know, utter failure to them. That's like shrieking death sound. Probably, you know, they're aliens. They're smarter than us. They hear a, a muted trombone and they're like, Oh my God, that's the loudest noise I ever heard. I fit to die. Oh, that's crazy. Well, I don't want to live in this universe anymore. Do you? No. So, uh, the other day I was listening to a show and yeah. they brought up this, this subject that I was kind of thinking about over today that 
they were talking about coffee and how they don't understand or they don't get it. You know what I mean? Like drinking no. coffee, they just don't get it. I don't understand and, how you can not get it. Explain. I mean, as a because I drink coffee. As, I drink coffee, as you know, and uh, so I understand drinking coffee, but. You know, these guys I was listening to, they're not coffee drinkers, so they just don't get it. And it got me thinking about, like, you know, what are some things that people do or say or engage in that I just don't get? I think I can help us here because I drink coffee. I don't like coffee, and I don't get it. I drink a cup of coffee on the way to work every day. I don't like coffee, never have, but I do. So maybe we can unravel this. So keep going. And it doesn't, I guess it doesn't have to be about coffee in general. Like, no, but, I know, understand the premise. One thing I don't like if, if we were going to stick with coffee, though, something I don't get is the obsession yeah. with the Starbucks craze. Like, that I just don't get. Like, people who go out of their way every single day to have Starbucks and then they go to Starbucks and they order the absurdities that Starbucks has. I just don't, I, hear I don't get it. I don't get it either, but it's. I think it's part of the human condition. Before Starbucks, there was something else. You know, it might have been a fashion thing, like I have to have this brand name. When I was a kid, Jordash, hashtag date myself. You know, if if you didn't have Jordash or Levi's, you were you were in a different class. So I think that's just the modern incarnation. You show up to work, you got a Starbucks in your hand, and you're already cleared the first five floors of social equilibrium like oh look he's drinking starbucks this puke <laughs> he's got a circle k cup <laughs> what a failure that's where i think that comes from so coffee to me is not that big of a mystery and also i grew up in wine country i guess in california so i got to see the wine snobbery go from nothing to a thousand and i love wine and i can tell the difference between good and crappy wine but it's all about what you can say or what you can show. Like, oh, yeah, I had a Rothschild 2005, and it was amazing. Look at me. I'm successful. Same thing with Starbucks, I think. Yeah. You know, the thing about Starbucks, too, that I just don't get is their, is their sizing model. Like, have you ever seen that movie, <laughs> that movie Role, oh. Role Models? Is that the one where Paul Rudd breaks <laughs> yeah. it down? Yeah. Oh, if we had the copyright, we should just insert that because – yeah, that's exactly how I feel. I wonder, Paul Rudd said it for everybody, and I know it's an old clip and we're dating ourselves, but oof. yeah, Paul Rudd cleared that up. I think I can Paul play Rudd. that clip and we won't get in trouble for it. I don't care if we get in trouble. What am I get spanking? But yeah, Paul Rudd cleared that up. Good morning. So, can I take your order? Can I get a tall chai? And a large black coffee. A what? Large black coffee. Do you mean a venti? I love you, Paul Rudd. No, I mean a large. He means a venti. Yeah, the biggest he one. He means a large. Venti is large. No, venti no. is 20. Danny. Yeah. Large is large. Oh. In fact, tall yes. is large, and grande is Spanish for large. Venti's the only si. one that doesn't mean si. large. It's also the only one that's Italian. Congratulations, you're stupid in three languages. Oh, but my d- God. Venti is a large coffee. Really? Says who? Fellini? How much is that? <laughs> you guys accept lira, or is it all you know euros? No, what? Just now? keep the change. Jesus, Dan, you know. Yes. Oh, God. He said it perfectly. I grew up in California. I know I can smell snobbery like like a bloodhound. And from the moment Starbucks reached where I live now in Florida, I knew it was snobbery. So, yeah, that's a great thing to not understand. I don't understand it. I just don't get it. Why do fish only eat a certain bug on a certain day? You know, like trout. (laughs) You know, you, you throw them a June bug on, on Monday, they destroy it. You throw it Tuesday, they won't eat it because they know that June bugs don't run on Tuesdays or something. I don't know. I think the same thing with Starbucks. <laughs> I think the same thing with Starbucks. I don't know. I can think of a million examples of the same thing. Like Yeti coolers. You know, I'm all for I love science. You know that. Yeah. But do I need a Yeti? No. Like if a Walmart cooler, keep my my uh, beer and ice you know for a day on a pontoon boat or deep sea fishing yeah it's a cooler very nice so that's one thing i don't get is yeti coolers anybody's got a yeti cooler salute uh it's ice you know ice costs like you know ten dollars a ton whatever yeah what else don't you understand besides coffee dude since we're on the the topic of drinking things with the whole cooler thing 
Another thing yeah. I like, I don't drink anymore, and I but I used to drink a lot. Yeah, okay. <clears throat> more more than I'm proud to admit. But one thing well, I good. I didn't get was like those guys that were like like case chasers. Oh what? I've like, never heard that term. Like dudes what who the would, they could chaser. sit down and they could drink like a whole case of beer. But God okay, forbid they people. drink an entire bottle of water <laughs> throughout the day. Yeah. Now that you mention it, I've never thought of that. I knew some quote unquote uh, copyright charged 2022 case chasers. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. I knew some of those guys and water wasn't anything they drank. I don't get that. Yeah, like and it, it's another it's a weird thing too where like People will complain about, you know, they tell you you need like eight glasses yeah. of water to drink a day and people scoff uh-huh. at them like, how can I possibly drink that much water? But I will go to the bar and I will drink in a whole 12 pack of something, <laughs> order that much beer and, and drink it in yeah. one sitting. But I can't No, you can't ask me to drink a half a gallon of water throughout the entire day, but I'll yeah, drink a pitcher gonna... of beer in 30 minutes. I've got an associate's degree, so I think I'm kind of informed, you know, having an associate's degree. And uh, I don't know how how that works. Like your body needs X amount of water. And when you drink alcohol and uh, salty food snacks that go with it, you need X plus 10 to equal it out. And case chasers, I know some and they wow, that is they do that. They've they defy osmosis. They defy (laughs) uh, metabolism. That is one of those things. I think you found one that I can't explain. Or... <laughs> it, just, it makes no sense. No, I just it makes no I sense. I don't get it. That this this is a bigger mystery to me than UFOs. <laughs> yeah, totally. How can some guy that smokes a pack of camels every forty five <laughs> minutes drink a case chaser, as we call them now on this show, and not hydrate and still survive? But it it happens, shards. It does. Wow. It does all over the place, dude. It's on. I wish we had a, my head exploding emoji because I did not see that coming, and that's nuts. I know these people, and it's true. Uh, not that I, you know, not that I'm a case chaser, but I know that I have to follow, or I loosely follow the rules of physics and chemistry. And I know X amount of alcohol in, I need X plus, t- you know, six of water, or my body is jacked and these guys don't follow that and yet they survive and that doesn't seem possible i don't get it you you scored one one for shards wow now i gotta come up with one otherwise this hockey game is uh is a power play how about people that smoke and still have money how can you smoke cigarettes? <laughs> Dude, especially Wait, nowadays there's yeah. no way how is it that it's inversely proportional people that appear to have less money smoke more cigarettes how is that possible? You'd think only the upper class would, and you know, like Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos would be smoking giant, you know, Virginia Slims. I don't know if that's a thing or, you know, and yet you go to a nice country club where people are, wallets are exploding their khaki pant pockets and no one's smoking. Yeah, and But okay. you go to the poor side of tracks and dudes are smoking like crazy and it costs a lot of money to smoke now. How is that possible? Yeah, I don't know. It's It's like... There's two types of industries that that thrive whether we're in a recession or not, and that's alcohol uh-huh. and tobacco, dude. I just don't wow. get it. I don't get it either, and that that's to me that's a thing. You know, if I if I if I hit the skids and you know things aren't good, and I had a habit that I could break with some gum and some patches and some stuff, I would I would knock off the you know the twenty five dollar a day habit. And, but I know a lot of folks that are in that predicament and they just double down. They're like, you know, Hey, and they still, they still make the ends meet kind of it's potted ends meet with uh, nitrates, but they make, (laughs) they make the ends meet. So that's mine, I guess, is how do poor people smoke more than rich people? I I don't know. That's crazy. I feel like they, I feel like they allocate their resources to feed those habits. Like they'll go, you know what? I'm not going to eat lunch today because I need to smoke this cigarette. You know, I, that's a good hypothesis, hypothesis or a theory. Hypothesis. <laughs> hypothesis or a theory, but 
I know some plus size people that smoke a lot and they don't make a lot of money. So uh, I'm gonna have to suit. Oh, yeah, I'm gonna have to suit that hypothesis down that I know counterintuitive people that have had that problem. So yeah, that's, that's been theory. that's been debunked. That's been debunked. <laughs> and if you ever, I don't know if the country has Murphy gas stations, but they used to be owned by Walmart and they still seem to attract Walmart esque clientele if you go into a murphy and watch for two seconds while you try and buy you know some uh, some protein tortilla style chips they're buying cigarettes and uh, a lot of other stuff and here, here's the factor i use what's the squish factor on your slides and or flip-flops you know a flip-flop should not be squishing under your feet it should be supporting you but not yielding under your yeah. so what i'm trying to say shards is it seems like the flip-flop squish index on people buying cigarettes in florida seems to be pretty high there's a lot of compression of the flip-flops of people buying cigarettes at the murphy gas station that i go to so yeah. that's all i can tell you yeah you know what you you your statement segues perfectly into my next thing that I don't get, and that's people yeah. who are not athletes or have just finished competing in an athletic event that wear slides and socks. Oh. I just don't get it, dude. Yeah, how does that happen? Oh. <laughs> just, that's, that's a, a good terrible one, look, dude. That's a good one. But you know what? I think we are the minority on this one. I think somehow that's a look. Yeah, but it is. It's popular, but I just don't get it. I don't get it either. And back in the day when this started, when I was a kid, it kind of started. It was because athlete's foot was a national, a global pandemic. Athlete's foot <laughs> back in the 80s and 90s was a global pandemic. And where were they then? You know, I didn't see the CDC giving me a uh, 19-year-old kid, you know, athlete's foot updates. You know, they didn't care that my feet itched and stank there. <laughs> what was the CDC doing in the 80s and 90s? Just taking money and doing nothing, apparently. Yeah. They were funding but, China. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to make shoes that don't breathe. Giving the money to China here. Make Nikes that don't breathe so the athlete's foot. Maybe big athlete's foot's behind it all, Shard. We may have found the deepest mystery of glass bottom history. I agree. Uh, wow. That is my one of my biggest pet peeves. If you are not an athlete who finished a game, we need to come up with an index. What do you think is a fair amount of time after a game to wear slides? Let's come up with an index, Shards. Uh, what's the what's the average time it takes for uh, someone who just played softball to leave the diamond, go get something to eat, and go home? 35 well, we minutes. <laughs> That's a good that's a good starting point, but we have to factor in bus rides. We know a lot of softball people and baseball and do we consider lacrosse? Uh, I guess if it's if it's collegiate level or like yeah. scholastic level, you know, let's then, go collegiate. Let's set the bar high. Let's go collegiate. Yeah, then I then yeah, it, it's we're we're bridging into an hour plus is is an acceptable Oh, come on, a bus ride? Well, it depends on how far they're traveling. If it's a okay. if it's an inner city meet, you know, no, an hour is fair. We're going SEC. How far do you think University of Florida plays against uh, rides a bus before they're on a plane? You you don't wear slides on a plane ever, right? We can agree on you don't wear slides on a plane. Well, we can agree on that, but <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, let's convince the rest of the world because this is I'm I'm pulling out my soapbox here. Listen to this. Oh, I'm up on my soapbox. Listen, even if you're wearing slides when you board the plane, do not take those MFers off. If you take your slides off on a plane, you are basically taking your shoes off and you're basically exposing me and everyone around you to your socks, and that is a foul. That's a, <laughs> That's a party foul. Can we agree on that? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yes. I don't care what you get on the airplane with. Slides, flip, well, who's only, well, people, there are people who wear flip-flops and socks, and they're really different. Dude, that's, a, that's a whole nother yes, conversation. That's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> Tune into episode 655 of the Glass Bottom Podcast. But there are people that travel in slides. I get that. But if you take your slides off next to me because they're easy to take off and you're just socking it, <laughs> that's, that's I disgusting. see that. I see you. I see you. You are in your socks on an airplane, and you are a serious violator. Uh, the level of disrespect someone would have to have to do something like that—that that is I'm, that's absurd. Uh, 
if a terrorist put a gun to my head and said, either show us your testicles or your feet on an airplane, I would take off my pants. <laughs> because everyone knows, like, oh, my God, this guy's in duress. You take your shoes off on an airplane, you are not in duress. You are a piece of crap. <laughs> yeah, dude. Capital P. Oh, Oof. okay. So it's got to be a bus ride or less. We've agreed on that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So a bus ride, uh, an airplane ride, they're going to fly you if it's more than like two and a half hours on a bus. Yeah, think? I think so. Okay. Well, I guess it so depends on the, the school. Cause if it's a small, like if it's a D three, D four college, I hear you. I see your point, but we'll keep, we'll keep it in the, in the D one, D two section all right so for our legislation we're gonna say if you're within two and a half hours of where you played the sporting event you can wear slides yes i think i think that's fair and if you have extenuating circumstances like oh look i work at a hardy's hamburger joint there's a bus in my parking lot everyone's getting off of slides i get it we're we're cooking hamburgers for people in slides and socks right yeah Anything other than that. 350-pound American of any sex or non-sex. <laughs> what are you doing, dude? <laughs> I know. Who doesn't appear to have played softball or basketball within two and a half hours of your location is basically flexing on you. Yeah. That's like guys who, who or gals who've never once fought at all but wear the, yeah. the tap-out gear. <laughs> like, same yeah, thing. Who are you fooling, dude? I know, but you know, I wore OP shorts and I don't surf, and I wore. Uh, well, that's. I wear I think, I feel I like that's skate. different. I think that's different. Well, I think. I think, gonna... I think tap out is is like that's one of those things where either you're a mega fan or you've done it to some degree. Otherwise, what are you doing? You're gonna have to bear that cross. I'll hear you out and I will adjudicate. But I don't watch MMA, unfortunately, and I'm out of boxing. So if you say so, I, I you have my you have my my vote. But it's yeah. it's with a little bit of douche regret because I do wear Vans. I don't skate. I I wear but, but uh, Vans aren't Guy just Harvey a, stuff a and I don't skate. Fish. You don't. Yeah, you do. You fished before, right? Yeah, but I mean, you know, I play. You know, I played peewee football too. Do I wear a? I, I do wear jerseys. Okay, you got some meat here. Come in for the kill. Let's see what you got. <laughs> My thing Convince is, though, is like with certain there's certain apparel where I just don't get it when people wear it. like unless you've you've been in a ring or in a, in a gym where you've tumbled before or whatever they call it rolling or whatever with jujitsu and you wear tap out gear and stuff like that. Like unless you're a coach or a mega fan, like I just yeah. it makes no sense. It's like if I wore a band shirt for music or a band that I did not listen to at all. Like it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense. But how would I know you didn't listen to it? How would I know, how would I know you were in a tap out shirt and I don't, and you're not Jewy Jitsu? How would I know that? Because it's always those guys that are super unathletic that look like. (laughs) (laughs) Just point at me. The only, the only time that they're, the only time their hands even get uh-huh. close to the, the position of a fight position is when they're lifting a fork up to their mouth. Oh, that's so <laughs> me. But I'm cool because I don't wear tap out. So, okay, fair enough. No, that that was just always one of my things. Like back in the day too in high school, I had like a like an alternative scene phase where I wore band yeah. shirts and stuff. But like I only wore band shirts because I listened to those bands or I saw them in concert and got the shirt. Okay, there. sidebar, what band, okay, sidebar, what band shirts did you wear in high school? So this was early 2000s, which would have yes. been the the resurgence of the pop punk era. So I okay. would have had like, you know, Say Anything or uh atreyu or uh who what who yeah like you know they're it's like no metal bands or or pop punk bands okay t-shirts give us examples of the, the atreyu on oh, yeah wow. it's a band yeah um a day to remember thrice <laughs> avenge sevenfold oh we got one grandpa <laughs> knows avenge sevenfold okay okay side sidebar to the sidebar you're wearing an Avenged seven pole, sevenfold shirt. What kind of pants and shoes are we rocking today? Um, let's see here. It's early two thousands. 
Oh yeah. And I'm gonna be extremely transparent and believe me uh, when I oh say my. this that I am not proud of the things that are about to come out of my Nobody mouth. Nobody is. Nobody <laughs> is. But they did not make skinny jeans for guys at that time, so it was As they should still not make skinny jeans. Ba- for it was okay. a band shirt and a youth large. Uh-huh. Band uh-huh. shirt, youth large, girl pants uh-huh. and vans. <laughs> Girl pants and vans. Okay, what kind of what kind of vans were big back then? Mine were checkerboards and or bright red or something. What what did you have? Um, I had the uh, they were black and white, but they were the lace ups. So what do they call those? Those are the uh, classics or whatever. Not nice. the not the slip ons, but the nice. So wait, this uh, this needs some unpacking. Uh, I've never bought clothing that wasn't from the department i was standing in so (laughs) no this is serious i need to know so you go to the other department and Uh you find the jeans Uh and then which do you go to the men's dressing room across the aisle or do you just go right in right where you're at no i don't try them on i trust the process (laughs) what (laughs) never trust big jean oh okay well i need you were I was Buying really skinny, though, dude. I was like, you know, this was okay. during my wrestling days, so I weighed like 125 pounds during the season and like 150 mm. in the off season. So I don't think it's fair to say that during your wrestling days you could pinpoint a weight and a time. I think when you wrestle, from what I've learned from you and other people, is it's like a like looking at the spin of a of a electron. I can know what you were doing on that day wrestling, but I could never know what your weight was. So if I know your weight on that day, then I can't know what you're doing because from what I learned from you wrestling guys is, yeah, I'm dropping 20. I'm dropping eight. I'm not drinking for a month. I'm wrapping my body in saran wrap. So it's a bit of a scientific quandary to say, well, I was wrestling in those days. So I was 125 pounds. No. If yeah. we knew you're wrestling, we don't know your weight. Yeah, if we true. Knew that's your true. Weight, the only time wrestling. I knew my weight was when I stepped on the scale right before a match, and then the, that number ceased to exist after that moment. Well, it's since a, wrestling's it's a crap shoot been around that. since since wrestling's been around since Greco-Roman times, and this is getting deep. This is listen, listener. This is when the glass bottom can focus. Okay, listen. Wrestling's been around since the Dark Ages. Before that, the Greco-Roman times. Yeah. Do you think back then that's when somebody like Plato or uh, or uh, who's another great philosopher, Plato or uh, or uh, Crayola? Crayola was a good Plato and Crayola. Yeah, <laughs> I think Plato and Crayola went to the same school. Do you think? Do you think he said because of Greco-Roman wrestling we can know his weight but not his speed, or we can know his speed but not his weight, and then he scratches. Went home with a lambskin and a quill and said, what if that's true about electrons? And then now, <laughs> just because of watching grown men wrestle naked, he now knows. Anyway, we got sidebarred so far. <laughs> where the hell are we, Shards? I'm I lost. Uh, I don't even remember. You were wrestling. We were flashback at. to you wrestling in girl pants. Oh, yeah, let's, uh, you were wrestling let's in move girl on pants. from that. <laughs> let's move on. Okay. I wasn't wrestling in girl pants. I just... <laughs> Yeah. I, wore, I think if you I go deeper, girl, you're going to find you wrestling in worse than girl pants. You're wrestling in girls' underwear. Well, you see, the thing is, there's just... <laughs> <laughs> okay, the thing is, polish that turd. <laughs> no, I never did that. I okay. never did that. I, I wore wink, briefs, wink. though. Why are you winking at me? Don't wink. Oh, your eyes. Come around your eye, you having a fit? Anyway, go ahead, so... Is it my turn to reveal what I would have been wearing, I guess? Yeah, well, let's see here. Early 2000s, man, I was, there's a, quite a bit of an age gap between us, so like early 2000s. Oh, that's why we're here, Shards. That's why it's a glass bottle Wait, are, are we going? Yeah. are we going same time period or when you were in high school? When I was in high school is the oh, question. Okay, okay, I thought we were going to go, what were you wearing in the early 2000s when I was no. wearing youth large band shirts and girl pants if i told you what i was wearing when you were wearing girl pants and and band and uh, band shirts it would be way more embarrassing for me so we'll go back we'll keep the playing field level and i'll say in high school in the 80s i was wearing crop tops what and short shorts there is a video that exists of me wearing a crop top doing the als challenge but i defy any of these pukes to find that video (laughs) (laughs) turns out i wasn't wearing underwear so 
Oof. there is some incriminating evidence. But anyway, uh, high school for me was uh, my parents thought I could play high school basketball. So I conned them into buying me like a pair of like first or second, whatever generation Air Jordans. And uh, after I failed out of high school basketball, I wore my Jordans for like like three years all through high school. Nice. I bailed out as a freshman in, in basketball because I sucked. And then I wore uh, white Jordans, unlaced as a top, with uh, Levi's 501 shrink-to-fit jeans. And here's where we have common ground shards. Uh, I didn't like breaking in shrink-to-fit jeans. Are you aware of shrink-to-fit jeans? No, I didn't. I've never heard of thing. <laughs> of course it is. Before they... How do you shrink them to fit? That's right, what I'm trying okay, to tell you. I thought you knew. Right. No, I thought I it was a common thing. Uh, I'm jeans here for were it, though. Well, you're going to like this because it brings us together, Shards. Uh, in my era, when you bought Levi's, the best Levi's that ever you had to have, where there were 501 shrink-to-fit jeans, and the denim was made extra large because they didn't wash it and heat it and steam it to bring it down to size before they cut the fabric and then made the jeans. So back in the 80s, when people were intelligent and could do math, except for myself, you had to factor in a shrinkage factor and they told you this with buying 501 jeans so it was like this denim has not been processed and shrunk so if you have a 35 inch waist you need to buy 38 if you have a 40 inch waist you buy 42 and if you have this inseam so you had to do all this crazy calculus and physics and uh astrophysics to figure out you know how your planets if you know get my drift we're going to be affected by the gravitational pull of the universe fabric shrinking you know, when the whole fabric of the universe shrinks, you don't know, you know, where your planets are going <laughs> to orbit. So uh, you buy 501 jeans and then you bring them home, you wash them in hot water and then you wear them for an inordinate amount of time while you break them in. Like, your, you know, your ass cheeks push them one way, your thighs push them another, your knees push them another. And then after like five or six weeks of torture, you got good fitting jeans. Interesting. So. Yeah, so here's where sounds uh, like I a to do it. though, a whole to do. <laughs> oh, dude, on the on the shards to do, on the shards to do uh, scale, this was like a nine point nine. Yeah. But this is where the hack is. We didn't have hacks in the eighties. We just had something you did. So my something I did was, my sister and I turned out in high school to be wearing the same size jeans. Dang, your sister so, was seven foot two. She's she's a she's a very tall lady, and she was three years ahead of me. So like it worked out perfectly. Oh, okay, that makes more sense. Yeah. So even though I grew three times faster, she was three years ahead of me. So the ratio works out if you do the calculus. So she liked to be seen in brand new dark blue cobalt jeans, and I like to be seen in ripped up jeans with airplane glue stuck in them and <laughs> a hole in the knee from a BMX accident, and uh, you know a cut from an exacto knife. So my sister would wear my jeans for three months. We'd get new jeans for school. I would wear last year's jeans that were already airplane glued and holes and, and ripped up, which was hot back then, you know. Sure. Ripped up jeans are hot. I was a, I was a sex symbol. Everyone will tell you. You know, and, that's uh, funny that you mentioned that quick sidebar. Is that, that whole look came back, though, in the early 2000s because ripped jeans were huge when I was in high school. They did. I saw that. But guess what? I also saw that people were paying big money for oh, ripped jeans. Oh, my goodness. Ridiculous amounts of money for ripped jeans. I paid, well, not me. My parents paid low money for nice jeans. And then they would say, Modi, don't wear these jeans riding your motocross bike or skateboarding. And I would do that and rip them. And then it was cooler. So I would take the value down. And now the value goes up. Up is down. Down is up. Yeah. But it did come back and I saw it. But to, to go into a store and pay for ripped, faded jeans where I used to create those. Wow. Yeah. Mind blown. Yeah. So flashback to 1986. I get, we go clothes shopping. I get a bunch of Levi's and my sister goes, uh, uh, you want me to break those in for you? Of course, break them in. So my sister would strut around. She was a cheerleader and a very popular girl. So she'd strut around in my jeans, wearing them in and shrinking them to fit. And little did those jocks know that three months later, this guy was rocking the hot chicks jeans. <laughs> <laughs> so we have that in common shards we both wore hot chick jeans it's uh, hilarious <laughs> <laughs> we're not so different after all <laughs> we're so the same people 
Hey guys, thanks for tuning into the Glass Bottom Podcast. Uh, like and subscribe or do whatever all the kids are doing these days to keep these things alive. If you don't want to miss a beat, see you next time. Thank <laughs> you.